in our third devotion on the next few verses of 1 Timothy chapter 6, as God is helping us today to soar with a heart of contentment plus godliness and avoid plunging into that love of money trap. It's worth it, I think, to tell you a story about a man who experienced both. And some of you who have been in our church for a while might remember this story a little bit, but I think it's worth it to bring it up again because it, it's so clearly an illustration of both sides of what we're talking about today. It's about a basketball player who's, who's been in heaven for a little while now. Pistol Pete Maravich, the highest scoring college basketball player in history, which is true even though he played back in the late 60s for LSU from 68 to 70, and is also true even though he played before there even was a three-point line. Pistol Pete was so good at scoring the basketball, he averaged 44.2 points per game. And again, he did a lot of outside shooting, and that was before they even had a three-point line invented yet in the game of basketball. And so his coach charted all of his shots and figured out if Pistol Pete had played when there was a three-point line, he would have averaged 57 points a game, not just 44. Wow, that's impressive. Pistol Pete went to play in the pros, and when he was drafted, he signed a contract for $1.9 million at the time, the highest amount of money any rookie had ever been given in the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Did he think, I am soaring, I have arrived, great gain, maybe. But guess what, the veteran teammates didn't think that. They actually resented him quite a bit because this hotshot rookie got all the money more than them. Pistol Pete played for 10 years in the NBA. He averaged 20-some points a game. He made the Basketball Hall of Fame when it was all said and done. And so there he was at the end of his career. Lots of money, lots of fame, able to retire early, even made the Hall of Fame. Was Pistol Pete soaring with great gain? No, he was plunging. He was tortured in his mind. He did not have peace. It might have been because of the love of money. It might have been because of other things that, that happened as well. But he did everything he could think of to get out of this trap that he just couldn't shake. He tried yoga. He tried New Age Transcendental Meditation. He tried a vegan diet. He tried lots of things. He was an alcoholic. He tried alcohol to escape. None of it helped. None of it helped. He was just as miserable, if not more miserable and tortured than before until he ran across what you and I know. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, God, who came from heaven to earth not to condemn, but to forgive. Not to destroy and taunt and torture, but to lay down His life and save. To give us the real way to soar. To give us the opportunity to be content with what we have and to be godly as we worship Him as Savior. Pistol Pete found Jesus. More accurately, Jesus found Pistol Pete 
and he spent the last few years of his life. It was only a few years because after his playing days were done, he only lived to age 40. He died of a sudden heart attack. But from the day he was a Christian to the day he went to heaven, he would tell people his story. And he would say things like this. He would say, I led the world in college basketball scoring. I had millions of dollars, more than any other rookie ever got paid. I had all these trophies. I have the Hall of Fame medal. And you know what it's worth? You can add it all up, put it in a big pile. All those medals and awards and trophies. Kick in 50 cents, go buy yourself a cup of coffee. Who cares? It means nothing. It means nothing because I have found great gain in Christ. I have found great gain in the forgiveness Jesus offers in the heaven He has promised me. Who cares about this other stuff? To fall in love with it only is going to send you plunging further down than you were before. As I said, he died suddenly of a heart attack at age 40. I bet we're all looking forward to meeting him in heaven one day. With that in mind, godliness plus contentment is great gain. The love of money is a trap that leads to all kinds of evil and plunges you to ruin and destruction. Look at all of these commands to keep in mind. I put them in bold type in your service folder so that it'd be easier to, to see them in the verses. But you, man of God, flee! Flee from the love of money. Flee from being eager to get rich. But don't just flee and then run around like a crazy person all over the place without direction. Flee, but also pursue. Pursue righteousness, the perfection Jesus gives. Godliness, that you're a beggar before Him but forgiven. Faith, love, that you're looking out for other people instead of self. Endurance, you're going to make it no matter what's going on. And gentleness, not agitation and demanding your way. Pursue all of that. Fight the good fight of the faith. Did you know Satan likes to help people get their money, get their hand in the trap? Did you know that he likes it when people love money and are eager for more, 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 never content with what they have? Fight the good fight. Fight and ask God to help you to fight. To be godly and content. To be generous and taking inventory more of what you have in heaven instead of always taking inventory of what you have or wish you had on earth. It's a fight, but be bolstered, dear Christian, to fight the good fight. Take hold of that eternal inventory I just mentioned. The eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command fleeing from the love of money, pursuing godliness with contentment, fighting the good fight, taking hold of heaven that is yours in Christ. Keep that command without spot or blame until judgment day. That's a big ask from Jesus, isn't it? For us. 
And yet, by God's grace, we can do it. Keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to Him be honor and might forever. Amen. Maybe it's worth just helping you slow down and think about that. You're taking eternal inventory. What you have in Christ, you know you're going to heaven one day. You're going to the place of unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. You can't even approach it. It's so bright and wonderful and glorious. That is our future in Christ. Take hold of it. Dream about it. Instead of dreaming about what supposedly would make you content if you had it in this earth, which is just a trap. Command those who are rich in this present world, by the way, that's us, okay? Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Money comes and money goes. It flies out of there faster than it comes sometimes. Sometimes it comes in faster than it flies out. It's uncertain. So don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. What do you need? I want to help you get it. What does Jesus need for His ministry? I want to help Him have it. And I'm not going to think twice about it. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We've been having challenge cards in our sermon series here on a God-lived life. And the one for today is about trying to help you have godliness with contentment and not be in the love of money trap. One of the personal challenges that I hope you think through and and take seriously and, and pray about is to think of a Bible verse every time you give an offering to Jesus. And uh, in our Bible study today, one of the questions I'm going to ask the group is, from 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-19, which Bible verse would you think about next Sunday perhaps or in December sometime when you're giving an offering to Jesus? There's so many good ones to pick from and then so many other good ones in the Scriptures. I hope some of you will take that challenge. And uh, I plan to do that myself. What an opportunity we have to be godly and content instead of paw in the trap. What an opportunity we have to help other people do the same, to take hold of the eternal life to which we have been called. You have a no-strings-attached God who gives generously. So be a no-strings-attached person who gives generously to Him and others. God, help us all to do that better than we used to. And keep growing closer to Him and to each other until that day comes when we get to go to unapproachable light in glory. Amen.